At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Moon or Bust. Happy Friday. Logan is out, but AB is in the house with me today, co-hosting Exciting Times. We got a great interview for you guys coming up at 2.30 p.m. with the CoinFlex CEO. Withdrawals are paused on their platform right now. Markets are down. A lot of distress in the markets, uh, but we'll get all about that at 2.30 p.m. Lots of insights coming, so please Stay tuned. Let's cue the intro. Producer AT, are you are you on the ball? All right, a little different intro today, but that's okay. Welcome back to Mooner Bus, guys. Aaron, how are you doing today? Happy Friday. I'm down bad. You're down bad. Dude, I am down bad. You're not <laughs> down bad, bro. You might have had like 20% of your portfolio in crypto. I have no idea, but definitely wasn't 99% like me. Uh, so I think I'm a little bit more down bad right now than AB. <laughs> But why are you so down bad, Aaron? Tell I wasn't me. even talking about uh, portfolio, you know, just, uh, in, just in general. Just in general. No, I'm just kidding. It's Friday. It's Friday of a holiday weekend. Vibes are high. Vibes are good here at Benzinga HQ. But uh, portfolio could be looking stronger today, Ryan. I, I got to be honest with you. Uh, definitely the crypto portion of my portfolio could be looking stronger. But like you said, uh, you may have been a little bit more exposed to that than I have been. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, quite unfortunate when Ethereum goes down 75% and NFTs are priced in Ethereum and then NFTs go down 75% in ETH value. Uh, I'm not that good at math, but I know I'm down bad right now. So kind of unfortunate, uh, but I'm convicted. I I'm in good projects. I think they'll come back. You know, I'm young. You know, I'm 22 years old. You're probably, I don't know, 22 as well, something around there, maybe 24. But there. The point of the story is we have 40 years before we need to sell any of our portfolios. Does it really matter? I don't think so. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's when you're looking at investments, uh, you need to have that understanding of time horizon, right? If you're willing to buy something and hold it uh, for years and years and years, then you can tolerate some pain in the short term. If you're buying something that with money that you may need in a few months, then you you have to be looking at different investment opportunities than ones that you know you can hang on to for years and years and years. Um, I mean, it, it's not just NFTs or cryptos, Ryan. If you look back uh, at a stock like Apple or Amazon, there were times where if you bought Apple in nineteen in the nineteen nineties, you'd be down eighty five. 90%. Like you probably would have sold like you have some of these, uh, whether it's cryptos or NFTs. So, you know, you got to have an understanding of that time horizon. 
for sure. And you're just making a trade over a week or two, trying to make a quick buck. You don't always have the highest conviction. So sometimes things can go south, the prices go down. And then what do you do? You, you lose money when you sell or you hold over the long term. But if you're not convicted, you're probably not doing that, right? Right. Um, and, and that's why, I mean, if, for, for my investments, mainly on the stock side, there are stocks where I'm down uh, a lot. And some of them are even crypto related. Like I'm, I'm in NVIDIA heavy and NVIDIA has exposure to the crypto markets as Bitcoin and Ethereum have um, have had their prices come down by, like you said, 75 percent. Um, that creates less of a demand for NVIDIA chips to mine crypto. So like my NVIDIA position is down a hefty amount, but I still like NVIDIA long term. I still have that conviction. I don't know, man. I don't do stocks. I don't have any NVIDIA. I did almost buy NVIDIA like six months ago. I thought it was a good play with Ethereum mining. But the ETH merge is coming up now in a couple months. A lot of their graphics cards are being used right now for GPU mining on Ethereum. That's where a lot of their sales are coming from. So I wonder if that's going to impact their business down the line in a couple months when ETH merges and all these GPUs being used to mine Ethereum will now be sold on the secondary markets to gamers. You know, congratulations to the gamers. Finally, they can get their GPUs at a decent price. Uh, but I think that might cause problems for NVIDIA. Uh, but we'll see what happens, I guess. I am trying to pull up right now the Bitcoin chart. I don't know if you can pull this up from backstage right now. Uh, like I said, I am not a very good producer, but there we go. AB, I know you like to buy crypto every once in a while. Maybe not as convicted as uh, the crypto boys on the show, but we got the chart up and I drew these lines a while ago. I thought we'd be traveling in this range through the bear market, but it looks like we're breaking through right now. Uh, that was right around $20,000, the previous all time highs from 2017. Uh, but I'm hoping for a bounce. I drew these squiggly lines on the chart a while back, Good hoping... Job. Yeah, I mean, not not really a good job well, because it, I, it didn't really follow it, right? Yeah, not on the prediction, but on the actual lines. Like, you, you did a good job on the actual lines. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. If this can hold, then I'll feel sick. If it doesn't hold, I'm going to feel a little dumb. But okay, that's so you're going to feel either sick or ill? <laughs> Or pretty, sick or dumb. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. But that's why I'm not a trader. I don't really use technical analysis. I use my gut. What my gut is telling me, I'm not really going to be buying Bitcoin, but I will be buying Ethereum. What my gut is telling me, between five to $600 will be the very bottom for the bear market. Of course, that's my opinion. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going on. But I will say I did get Ethereum at $85 the last bear market the day that it went to the lowest point oh, of the entire bear market. You got it right on the bottom. Uh, I timed the bottom to a T, so I'm hoping to do that again because it's yeah. cool to say. If you've done it once, you can do it again. That, that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, I did say I was going to sell the top. I took zero profits <laughs> through the bull market. I was rolling in the cheese through all these green candlesticks, and then I, I took zero profits, and now we're back down about uh, probably down 80% on the portfolio now. Okay, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, some people go out there, they trade on fundamentals, some people trade on charts, on technical analysis, Ryan, I mainly just trade on vibes. And I, and I, I don't know if the vibes are, are yet ready for me to hop back into Bitcoin. I think I can feel those vibes coming soon. Um, but right now, the vibes are still a little just suppressed for me. To yeah, but, but what does Warren Buffet say? He um, says, but, be, be fearful, 
when others are greedy yes. and be greedy when others are fearful, right? Yes. And we see all these big institutions going down right now. There's a lot of fear in the market. It might be a good time to buy. I mean, we've gone down so fast and typically these crypto bear markets do last a year, year and a half, sometimes even two years. But I mean, we've been going down for six months now. We're down about 80%. Uh, on Ethereum, probably around 75% on Bitcoin. That's getting pretty close to what we see typically for lows in a bear market. I think the last bear market in 2018, Bitcoin went down about 84%. Ethereum got hit really hard. It went from $1,400 down to about $80, $80 or so. Uh, so about 95%. But I'm, I'm not convinced that it's the bottom yet. I think you're not convinced either. I mean, we've been moving really fast. There is a lot of fear. But I'm curious, Aaron, when will you start buying and what will you be buying, if at all? Um, well, so a few thoughts there, Ryan. Um, like I said, the you know vibes need to be right. So almost more so than a level for me, I need to you know feel good. I, I will say from right here, we're at like $19,500 right now. If we drop down to that uh, 11 area, I will certainly... Uh, and especially wherever ETH would be at, if Bitcoin, you know, drops down to eleven from here, if ETH is at like five or six hundred, I was, I will certainly be buying um, some down there. Um, but here's my my other thought: is if you look at the big drop off after 2017, uh, 2018, um, it's not as if Bitcoin had this huge you know, V-shape recovery, and we recovered, uh, you know, right from then. We kind of traded sideways for a while. We kind of, uh, you let's know, at it. just just grabbed our... All right, let me, let's get that chart back up. Um, there was a lot of time where... All right, so uh, 2018, that peak is at... Oh, oh, wow, almost exactly where we're at right now, nine, mm -hmm. 19,000. Uh, and we came down... And, and here's what I'm talking about. So we'll go back to that peak real quick. When was that? This one? Uh, no. The 2017 or the the current? The 2017 peak. Yeah, that, that, that was in December of 2017. We peaked at about 19.7 on most exchanges. So how long did it? So, okay, it took a while to get back to that peak. Um, but even in the months after that peak where you're trading lower, I expect to see something similar where we see more of a stabilization. Maybe it's at where we're at right now, where we just see Bitcoin trade sideways for a while at 19 or 20. And then when we get back on that bull run, I don't expect Bitcoin um, to, you know, go straight from if this is the bottom 19 to 60 uh, back to where it was in a few months. I think it'll take some time. So I'd rather wait until after that accumulation period, after that period where we're trading sideways and then get in right when we're kind of ramping up. And if I miss out on a few percentage points by waiting, then so be it. Um, I'll be more convicted at that point. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm getting the vibes. We might be around this point right here where Bitcoin held support back in the day around $6,000. Maybe $20,000 is the new $6,000 where people think we have support maybe around $19,000, $18,000. We consolidate. We go sideways, like you said. But then when nobody's talking about it, when everyone thinks crypto is dead, it hits even harder. We get more red candlesticks going down. And Bitcoin actually went down to about $3,200 when everyone thought the bottom was around 6 k I mean, people were starting to leverage up. There was still low volume. But then we saw a big turn to the downside up to about 50%. So I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens again. I don't know if it'll happen to that degree, though. I mean, that was a huge dip. And there's definitely a lot more adoption these days for Bitcoin and definitely Ethereum, too. I mean, back in this bear market, when Ethereum 
Ethereum went down 95%. There really weren't any use cases. I mean, we saw a ton of ICOs back in the day and a lot of speculation, but no one was really using Ethereum's blockchain for utility. I mean, nowadays we have these lending platforms, we have these decentralized exchanges, and people are actually using Ethereum. So I think that makes it have some inherent value and that'll hopefully lower the volatility in this bear market. But that's yet to be seen. Uh, but I'm waiting for one more big dump and I don't think it's coming right now. I think that we're you know, very fearful right now. Hopefully there'll be some consolidation. Maybe we'll see, uh, uh, I'll call it a fake support because I think we're gonna go down even more but maybe we'll see like a like a fake support for a little while go sideways and then one last big dip one last nail in the coffin before Bitcoin and Ethereum and crypto comes back to life. Uh, but like you said, it's not going to be overnight. We see back in, it was 2019, we, we started this bull run. Some people say we started in 2019, not 2020, because we had this big run up from $3,000 up to over $10,000. People thought that the bull market was resuming. And, and then we kind of went sideways and then COVID hit. We had a flash crash back down to around $3,000. That was your one last opportunity to get in before the bull market went into full effect. And then over the next year to two years, I mean, green candles galore. We went up to $69,000. You guys know that. Uh, so we'll see how this plays out. But let's take a look at Ethereum. Aaron, I'm curious when the time comes, will you be getting Ethereum or will you be getting Bitcoin or will you be getting some random altcoin that you're YOLO betting on? Um, probably a combination of the three. I think the first I buy will be Ethereum, and then I'll probably sprinkle in some Bitcoin, and then I will go heavy into uh, the meme YOLO coin. Um, so I have a question, Ryan. So you've been around for uh, both. Were, were you around? Were you in crypto in the 2017 bull run? Yep. Okay. So you've been around for both big bull runs, both big uh, bear markets so far. Did this bull run? The, the 2020, 2021 bull run, did that one hit differently compared to the first one? Completely, completely, for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, now I'm working completely in crypto and crypto okay. media, so it was way different. I was way more up to date on all the different projects, all the different ecosystems within crypto. So I'm very thankful for that. But the market structure of this bull market versus the last bull market were very different and very surprising to me. Usually we see parabolic rises with Bitcoin, with crypto, and we did see that to a degree. But we saw a parabolic rise up until May when we got to about $60,000, $65,000. We went back down, then we came back up. And once we hit 60,000, and especially once we hit new all time highs and got over $65,000, I think me, I think Zusu, I think a lot of people in crypto thought that we we're going to six figure Bitcoin and this bull market was still going. It had a lot of legs, but that wasn't the case. We went to $69,000, only $4,000, more than the prior peak in May. And then we took a downturn. So, very, very different than the last bull market. Yeah, I mean, um, definitely a, a different bull market, a whole completely different market structure, like you said, different names, different institutional players in there, just more money in the space in general. Uh, and that leads me to my next question. Do you think the next bull market will hit differently than the previous one that we just had? That's interesting. I think every bull market will be different to a degree. It's hard to say what it's exactly going to look like. But I mean, we have to see a six-figure Bitcoin in the next bull market. That's exciting to me. 
I mean, we, we went to $69,000. That was over three times the previous all-time high from 2017. We see similar returns. It's probably going to be diminished, uh, but that really depends on when the next bull market is going to be. I think that's actually something we should touch on, Aaron, when the next bull market will be. I think there's a couple scenarios, and we've mentioned this on the show a few times, but... I mean, I think the most bullish scenario is we flatten out for a while. We might see lower prices, but when the merge happens and Ethereum becomes deflationary, maybe that could bring us out of this bear market. But like I said, that's probably optimistic because the merge is happening now probably in three to four months and then maybe another three to four months for Ethereum to come back after those new tokenomics are set in place. I I think that would be best case scenario at this point. I don't see a V-shaped recovery happening. I think the next most likely scenario, um, I don't really know if that is the most likely scenario, but I think that another scenario could be in 2024, the Bitcoin happening. A lot of people like to look at Bitcoin happenings to look at market cycles. I was I, I pulled up this DeFi chart on the screen, guys. We'll go back to that, but let me pull up Bitcoin again because there's more history for Bitcoin. And let's look at when these happenings happen. Uh, this one is with Tether. Let me bring one up that uh, goes back maybe to like 2013. USD, maybe this perpetual. No. Bear with me, guys. I will find a chart that goes back to the glory days of Bitcoin. We'll take that, 2015. So last last happening happened in 2020. Uh, I think it was right around here. And this COVID crash, kind of a black swan event. But people love playing the Bitcoin happening as an indicator for the start of the next bull market. And over the past 12 years, Bitcoin has been around. This has actually worked perfectly. Uh, We go back to 2016 when the last happening happened before the one in 2020. And that was right around here. So, you know, we were at $400. We already saw prices higher than this. This chart doesn't go back long enough. Uh, but in 2013, we peaked at around, I think it was $1,300 or $1,500. And then we came back down. We consolidated for a really long time, about two years. And then after the Bitcoin happening in 2016, around $400, that sparked the next bull market all the way up to $20,000. So I think that that could be something that drives the next bull market too. But I mean, that's really far away. That's 2024, right? So we have some time to wait with all these different macroeconomic conditions going on right now. It's it's really hard to tell, but I'm convicted. I'll be buying. I mean, everyone's asking me right now, is now the time to buy crypto? I, I say, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, but it's probably a good idea to set up weekly recurring buys over the next couple of years. Wait for the next bull market and then reap the rewards. Yeah, I mean, and definitely that's what we're talking about. When you have an investment that you're convicted in for the long term, uh, you can do that. You can do uh, recurring investments. If it's something that you're not as convicted on, then uh, maybe that's not something that maybe it's something that you just buy and and hold some of. Um, But yeah, I mean, something like Bitcoin that has a long history of essentially always coming back from these big crashes is something that I would feel more comfortable with, uh, you know, toying with a recurring investment like that rather than uh, some crypto project that's only been around for a couple years. Speaking of crypto projects that have only been around for a couple years, I've pulled up the DeFi index perp chart. This is an index of a lot of different DeFi tokens, a lot of the big ones, Aave, Uniswap, so on and so forth. And we saw insane green candles through the bull market. I mean, I was raking in the dough with Uniswap back in the day from $3 all 
all the way up to about $45, $50. And then it went down. And now we're at maybe $5, $6. I did, I guess you could say I took profits on Uniswap. What I did was I was lending out on Uniswap's protocol farming the liquidity, earning interest, some pretty good interest, uh, but then my liquidity fell out of range. I was holding Uniswap for a while, and then I decided it's time to sell. I mean, it was going down for a while. Obviously, DeFi was in a bear market, so I took a, a chunk of my Uniswap position, sold it for ETH, used that ETH to buy my mutant, which was a great decision. You have to be flexible in these markets, especially when new products are coming out. I mean, I've been I've been hip to NFTs for a minute, but I never really got into them when I should have. I was following Bored Ape since Mint. I I got a Crypto Kitty in high school on my school computer. I mean, I should have known. I kind of kicked myself for that one. I was a hype. Wait, you beast. had an NFT on your computer in, in, in high, high school? school? Yeah, I got one of the first NFTs back on my school computer in high school. A Crypto Kitty. And you're not like a multi multimillionaire right, right? Wow. <laughs> I know, right? I fumbled the bag hard. You think you're down bad? I was in NFTs in wow. 2018. I'm still poor. <laughs> <coughs> um, yeah. And, and uh, so I actually just had, we had an NFT guest on Benzinga Live today. And I think with NFTs, um, what's going to be important, and, and this is, I think, stands for blockchain, blockchain in general, too, is just figuring out over time exactly what the what these use cases for, um, you, you know, especially like the Ethereum blockchain, where does it make sense to use them? Where will we have some real world utility? So the, the project that uh, the guy runs that we had on Benzinga Live today is he, he's a minor league baseball player and the project he's actually worked out with his minor league team that if you buy one of the his projects, you get to go into all the games for free. You get special deals on apparel. And to me, like, that's really cool. Like, you're a member of a club. You get um, special access. You get real-world utility. Like, for someone who would have bought season tickets to this minor league baseball team, you can buy this NFT instead. It's actually cheaper, and you get to bring four people to every single game. Like, that's cool. Um, I like to see, you know, more NFT projects with utility like that. And I think we can see that, especially in a bear market, because NFTs really aren't an asset class of their own. They're an asset class that encompasses every other asset class, right? It can be about crypto. It can be about art. It can be about going to the club, going to a party. It can really be anything you make the NFT of. So I think we'll see more real world use cases through the bear market because people aren't really focused on crypto. They're not really focused on even speculative investments at this point, but people still want to go out. They want to have fun. They want to get tickets. They want to be part of a club. I mean, there's a lot of different things that NFTs can do. I think we'll start seeing that through the the bear market as my shirt from polygon says bear is for builders and i think we'll see that in the bear market especially for nfts and something we had david's son on a long time ago he's been on a few times great friend of ours uh old president of wolverine blockchain so we go way back uh, but he was saying you know nfts have been this crazy idea for such a long time but all the talent is in crypto and DeFi because that's where the money was right People were raising money like crazy. They were able to make protocols and make millions and millions of dollars. So that's where the talent was. But now with NFTs, I mean, everybody made money through this bull market on NFTs, especially if they sold it, even if they didn't. I mean, the industry is still way bigger than it was two years ago. So now there's real talent in the industry that will be building through this bear market. I mean, this is the exact same that we saw with Ethereum in 2017. The bear market provided utility for this bull market before, like I was saying earlier, 
Ethereum really didn't have any true utility. There were a couple DAOs out that you couldn't really do anything with, maybe a couple really primitive exchanges, but through the bear market, through DeFi summer, we saw all these products come out where you can lend, trade your crypto, you know, do all these different things on Ethereum's blockchain. I bet we'll see that again with NFTs. Yeah, and I mean, to me, it's just so NFTs are so, you know, early stage. We don't know exactly what. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yep, yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. They're going to end up looking like for a lot of the bull run in NFTs we saw in 2020 and 2021. Um, the, the main use case for that was really just speculation and trying to make money. And I, I, I assume we will see that develop um, as time goes on. So uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to keep following that industry. Another prediction I've been hearing a lot uh, along the same lines is DAOs might be the next trend in the next bull market because they had their moment. They had their moment in this bull market. We saw DAOs pop up. We saw a Constitution DAO trying to buy a copy of the Constitution. We saw some of these different plays happening, but we didn't see the masses come into DAOs. Yeah, maybe you got some governance tokens, but did you really vote on any proposals? No, you probably didn't. I, I, I really didn't. I probably voted on like four proposals throughout the bull market. Uh, not a ton of utility happening right now, but I think through this bear market, people will build DAO tooling. So it, it's a lot easier for you to vote on different proposals, to be part of a community and to drive these protocols forward. I think that will be something that's really interesting in the next bull market. Once we have the infrastructure to really be able to use DAOs to their full potential, which is probably really far down the line. But I think that, you know, NFTs, the end goal of NFTs is really far down the line, too. So we saw we saw that moment with NFTs, this bull market. Hopefully we see that moment with DAOs, the next bull market. But we'll see what happens. I mean, there's so many different things within crypto um, and especially DAOs. I, I mean, we're just at the very surface for all of these different asset classes at this point. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean, it, it's the it's not a matter of really if it's it's when does this market kind of turn around? When do you start seeing um, some more money flowing back into the industry? And it kind of can happen. Like I still don't think Bitcoin turns on a dime and goes straight back up to sixty thousand, but I think the sentiment in a way will like where it's like instead of 
you know, the sky is falling and all this is happening. I think like once you start seeing some of that more money flowing in, um, that really, you know, you'll be able to tell that the sentiment is just kind of different around the crypto landscape. That is the way she goes in crypto. Everything is relative. I mean, we're at $19,000 right now. Everybody is shitting their pants. But, you know, three years ago when we hit $19,000, everybody was buying Lambos. So everything is very relative. And we have some ways to go, but I'm very convicted. Aaron, I think you're pretty convicted too. Uh, so maybe we need to set up some recurring buys. I don't know. I still haven't set up my recurring buys. I like to t try to time the markets like a gigabrain. Typically doesn't work, but when it does, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it makes you feel real good about yourself. Like when you bought them the eighth last time. Yeah. What'd you buy it at eighty five? Eighty five dollars. I got so I got I got a couple buys. My larger buy at eighty five, and then another larger buy at one hundred and forty dollars. Those were my two main buys for Ethereum. Wow. I'm actually happy. I was looking through my ETH uh, history on Robinhood the other day, and my last uh, transaction was a sell at two thousand. I was like, yeah, that was a good call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you sold. At least you, you took some profit. That, well, here's what's crazy is I'm looking at it right now. Uh, on May 2nd, I sold some of my Ethereum position at 2800 And then that was May 2nd. Nine days later on May 11th, I sold the rest of my position at 2000 So in from nine days, we went from 2800 to 2000 And I was like, you know what? I feel like things are going to get worse before they get better. And so far, I've been right. Yeah, I mean, that was a really good call. What are you going to do with that capital? Is it on the sidelines right now? I feel like USD is probably a pretty good option given these markets right now. Uh, but are you going to put that back into crypto? Are you going to put it in the stocks? Are you going to uh, put it elsewhere? Are you going to you know, buy some drinks at the club? What are you doing with that money? Yeah, right now I'm just hanging out with the sideline on it. I think there will be, uh, I think I'll, it'll end up going straight back into Ethereum, honestly, but I think there will just be a better time to get in. Um, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to, to hop in right now and try to call the bottom. But like you said, maybe I take that money and I start doing a recurring investment. So that way, if Ethereum does keep going down, I can just keep lowering my, my cost basis there. Not a bad idea at all. It is 2.31. We should get started with this interview any moment. I don't see Mark backstage. Uh, I do. We got him do? backstage. Okay, we got him backstage. Let's bring him on. The CoinFlex CEO, guys. He's coming on the show. Bitcoin Jesus, Roger Ver owes them $47 million. Huge debacle going on. You probably saw it on Twitter. But we're going to dive into everything in just a few seconds here. AB, can you can you pull up Mark or do I do I need to call AT? Let's do it. Let's get Mark on the stream. Mark, how's it going? Hello, it's, Mark. Uh, we hear you. Going. You are on the stream. We Here are we just go. waiting for. Okay, let me stop sharing my screen. Mark, my apologies. I am typically not producing, uh, but I am here filling in with AB today. Uh, Mark, how are okay. you? I'm uh, continuing onwards focused and motivated likewise likewise so before we get started mark can you give us some background on what coinflex is uh why users use the platform and and maybe just a background on yourself how you got into crypto um and anything else you'd like to share yeah absolutely so coinflex is a futures exchange uh we also have a stable coin that pays interest on chain every eight hours and um 
my background, I've been in crypto for nine years. So I started the first UK Bitcoin exchange, which became the main UK Bitcoin exchange called CoinFloor, um, uh, which which has now been sold. And um, I've I started CoinFlex a little over a little under four years ago um, uh, out in Hong Kong. We're now a global business and uh, we now have this issue that everyone is aware of. Yeah. So this issue of $47 million of bad debt, where's all this debt coming from? Yeah. So um, I wouldn't say it's bad debt. We're, we, we view it as very likely recoverable, um, but we effectively gave a non-liquidation account uh, backed by personal guarantee, personal guarantee to one of our customers and we're now um you know we're now aiming to recoup that those funds we're also um looking to tokenize this debt in order to get withdrawals up and running again and so we're we're working on that right now we're um in the process of speaking with a large group of buyers and, and different different external buyers um and uh we're aiming to get things back up and running as as quickly as possible so this this forty seven million dollars that uh, you guys are trying to recoup right now is that all coming from Roger Ver? Yes. Okay, and you guys have been in communications with him. We have been. Um, yes. How's that going? Well, um, <laughs> I think it's. It's always tricky when when situations end up like this. We 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 didn't want this situation to end up like this. We're um, you know we're going to do everything we can on behalf of depositors, and we have to. Uh, at the end of the day, we have to put depositors above everyone else. So um, we are doing that. We're acting in their interests, and we're very focused on that path. Um, and we're going to continue focusing on that path. That's great. And I'm glad you guys are in communication because some of these hedge fund managers are dipping out, not responding to any calls. So that's good that you guys are trying to work something out right now. I actually saw uh, maybe a heinous claim by Roger. Uh, he, he claims that CoinFlex actually owes him money. Is there any basis to this? Do you know what his reasoning is to say this? Have you Have you even heard about this? There's no basis to this. No basis to that. Okay. And so you briefly mentioned this, but you guys are making a token called Recovery Value USD, RVUSD, to get uh, to essentially resume deposits. Can you tell us more about this? Who's investing in this token? What's the value prop for this token? And what's the end goal? How does this actually make uh, it possible for users to deposit from the platform or withdraw rather from the platform? Yeah, absolutely. So the the value of this token is going to be from a recovery of these funds. Um, we we're very confident in being able to recover these funds. Uh, that's, that's what token buyers are getting. Ultimately um, there's going to be an interest rate as associated with this. Um, the, the token uh, is going to have other qualities associated. We're still finalizing all of the terms and details of this token. And um the reason why it enables us to open up the platform is it basically takes an asset we have, which is this, this debt, um, and it allows us to monetize that asset. You know, the, the, the person in question is significantly wealthy. Um, we do believe there's a clear path towards recovering these assets. 
um, it's it's just now a path of uh, of of getting this filled, um, recovering the assets. Uh, but when, once once the token is filled, once the issuance is subscribed to, uh, we can we can open up asset access to the platform and and withdrawals. So you mentioned that you can earn interest actually on RVUSD. Uh, are you raising $47 million in that token? Is it being sold at a discount since maybe there's, you know, some question to whether or not the funds will actually be, you know, received by CoinFlex? How is that working? Yeah, so I can't give uh, final comments on the exact details of the raise, but the, um, the tokens are all going towards... Um, a restoration of, of client withdrawals. So they are all going towards that. Uh, the aim is not to have these uh, go to CoinFlex running its business, uh, but but just a restoration of client withdrawals. Gotcha. And, you know, this kind of reminds me of Unis said Leo from Bitfinex. Bitfinex got hacked, for those of you who don't know, uh, way back in the day. And they made a token, uh, kind of like a recovery token. Pretty interesting. Is this something that you guys are modeling your token after? Is this something you took inspiration from? Can you maybe draw the similarities and differences between Unis and Leo and what your recovery value USD token is? Yeah, absolutely. So Unis said Leo is one of um, multiple tokens that Bitfinex has issued um, when they've had issues like these. And I will say that, um, you know, Bitfinex got hacked uh, way back in the day and they lost a large amount of money. Um, They then uh, had another issue uh, related to a bank account freezer. In the first case, they issued BFX. In the second case, they issued the Leo token. Um, And in both cases, those solutions were significantly better for depositors and customers than any sort of alternative. So we are focusing on these solutions because we have the interests of depositors at heart and we want to uh, best represent those interests. And we think this is the best thing to do for those, those customers. Copy that. And I don't know if you can answer this, Mark, so feel free to pass. But I'm curious, how much have investors committed to RVUSD thus far? I can't answer that so far. Okay, all good. So say Roger pays back his debt today. How soon will CoinFlex resume withdrawals uh, on their platform? Today. Today. Okay, so that's the bottleneck right there is Roger paying back those funds. Uh, and what about your stablecoin that's earning interest? Is that all okay given the markets? I mean, we did see uh, Terra Luna's stablecoin collapse. We've seen a lot of insolvencies. Is that all going on okay? Are you guys fully collateralized with your stablecoin? Uh, if you're all right to answer that, what's going on there? Yeah, so the stablecoin is in the same situation as deposits on CoinFlex. Um, it's it's not withdrawable right now. Um, it's uh, it's it's ultimately in the same same boat as CoinFlex depositors, and we are aiming to fix that situation as soon as possible. Uh, in the same way we're fixing the the CoinFlex customer situation, they're the same situation. And speaking more generally, Mark, do you think that these exchanges that are going insolvent, do you think that's bearish for the Ethereum merge? Um, that is, do you think that these exchanges will have to pull out as soon as the merge happens, all this staked ETH uh, right now that is on the network to pay back their debts? Uh, do you have any opinions on what might happen after the Ethereum merge with all this insolvency going on in the market right now? I don't have an opinion on that. Okay, sure. Uh 
I got another one for you. Do you think that centralized lending platforms going under right now, so say Celsius, maybe BlockFi, a little bit of speculation there. Do you think that's bullish or bearish for DeFi in the long term? Because they're using DeFi, but it's not the same at all. Do you think that you know investors will see DeFi as a more safe alternative to these centralized platforms? Yeah, I do think I do think it's bullish for DeFi. I also think it's raised DeFi has actually raised the standards of centralized exchanges. We are going to be um, after this is resolved, we are going to be working with an auditing firm. We've already selected one uh, to uh, have positions, collateral and margin of all accounts on an anonymized basis be made public to the general public. And what this really does is it enables the public to uh, trust in our our stability and our health of our exchange and the margin on our exchange and the risk on our exchange. And that's that's going to be a good thing for customers. You know, at the end of the day, um, we don't know how healthy any of these businesses are and they are all black boxes. And and that was one of the problems here is if if, if we weren't a black box, if we were if every bit of information about the uh, positions, margin collateral of our futures exchange was made public, um, you know, this this would have both uh, been apparent um, the, all the data around this would have been more trustworthily reported. And we could also have uh, fixed this much faster because um, no one would be asking for information. It would just be, it would just be available to the public. So we are aiming to, um, to go ahead and do that and make that information publicly reportable information by an independent auditing firm, uh, you know, at least every hour, if not more frequently. And I think that, that will significantly help on the customer side uh, with respect to not just regaining trust, but growing the business beyond that. Got it. So, Mark, I see you're a fan of uh, Bitcoin Cash. Do you mind explaining a little bit why you're bullish on this token? Yeah, I like Bitcoin Cash because it uh, it has a larger block size than Bitcoin, so it's able to handle more transactions on the blockchain uh, per per 10 minutes. Um, you know, one of the issues that BTC has is, is it has a global transaction limit of seven per second. Um, Bitcoin Cash doesn't have that limit. And that's obviously been very positive uh, from a usability perspective. Obviously, the, you know, the price of everything is is down right now. So that's not really um, been reflected there in the price. But, you know, I, I, I do believe in, in Bitcoin Cash. How do you think that Bitcoin Cash compares to, say, Layer 2 Solutions, maybe the Lightning Network, or other Layer 1 blockchains? Why Bitcoin Cash over these other alternatives? Well, Bitcoin Cash has this, shares the same history with Bitcoin, so that's one of the things that makes it attractive. And then, you know, there, there are ultimately security trade-offs you have to make anytime you go to a Layer 2. So there, there is a, a, just a significant, probably order of magnitude or more, uh, in security, uh, being, being on that layer one. So. Makes a lot of sense. Mark, what is next for CoinFlex, especially during this bear market? How are you guys navigating? How are you staying afloat? Uh, any new products coming out? What's on the horizon? The focus is on, uh, reopening withdrawals and, um, and then, uh, working to build the rebuild trust with users. So that's, that's the focus.
That makes a lot of sense, especially given these untrying times. Uh, what about long term? How about a year, two years down the road? Do you have any big lofty goals for CoinFlex? Yeah, you know, I think stable coins um, do come into question. And if we can regain confidence in a big way uh, via what we're doing right now with investors and also via what we're doing um, on the auditing side, uh, after this, I think we have a shot at being a large stablecoin. Um, that stablecoin, you know, is at the end of the day the only one that pays interest. So it's going to be it's going to be a hard road to rebuild that trust. I'm not um, fooling myself or deluding myself in in respect to that. But I do I do think you know the the powerful thing about about CoinFlex and my team is we've got a huge amount of uh, grit and resolution and ability to uh, to stomach bear markets and these types of, uh, of events. So, you know, the, the team has been amazing and I think we will continue to, uh, to just be very focused on this going forward. So you guys have a stable coin for CoinFlex that actually pays interest on chain, correct? Yeah. So can you go through the dynamics of that? I've actually not heard of it yet, so I apologize. I did not do my research, uh, but can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Yeah, I actually have a hard stop in two minutes, so um, I'll go. But I, I can tell you, I can tell you how that works before beforehand. So the stablecoin is basically doing the basis trade. So the basis trade is buying spot and selling futures, and it's doing this in an independent market we call repo, uh, which is a market for doing that trade in one go. So buying spot and selling futures all in one contained trade, and so this is where um, the interest comes from to pay out the stablecoin. Uh, which which is paid out on the blockchain three times a day. Very cool stuff, Mark. I will let you go since you have to jump. But guys, this is CoinFlex CEO Mark Lamb coming on Moon or Bus. Thank you so much, Mark, for joining us and giving us those insights on the platform, on tokenization and everything else we talked about today. Thank you so much. Alrighty, guys, like Ryan said, that was Mark, the CEO of CoinFlex. We'll be following this story, seeing what happens there. Ryan, great job on the interview, man. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm surviving. I'm surviving the day, down simply bad. existing. I am down bad. I mean, they know, the viewers know, Friday is, you know, it's the day after Rick's $2 drinks in Ann Arbor. So we are chugging along. We are doing good, even when the markets are down. Uh, but that was a good interview. I, I thought that was really insightful. They're tokenizing the debt, trying to get withdrawals back on the platform. Kind of cool how they uh, maybe took a little inspiration from Bitfinex and the whole Roger Ver thing. I mean, it's blown up on Twitter. And we right, got so some... who, who is it? who's uh, Bitcoin Jesus? I'm, I'm Roger Roger Ver is is Bitcoin Jesus. I've heard his name thrown around everywhere. I think he's like a VC guy. Got in Bitcoin really early. Uh, he's invested. CEO of Bitcoin.com. Uh, so really early Bitcoin guy invested in coins. So flex. how is he like, how are you so early in Bitcoin, but defaulting on a loan? Like, right. <laughs> Leverage is bad, man. Don't don't lever up when you're convicted like that and you're early. Like, what, what what's the point? I don't I don't get it. Like, Bitcoin's going to be half a million dollars one day. You don't need leverage for this. Like, you're greedy, man. Um. All right, well, Ryan, we don't have a show at 3 o'clock, so if we want to end a few minutes early, I think that is fine. Uh, you let me know. Yeah, 
Let's do it. It was a great Friday show. Got Aaron with us as the co-host. We will see Logan back uh, once he finds enough money to get that bored ape. Uh, right now he's cutting some timber up north of Michigan, trying to raise some money because he can't just can't do that in crypto right now. That's just the way she goes. Yep. All right, Ryan. Well, have a great weekend. Happy holiday weekend to everyone out there. Hope you guys enjoy some hot dogs, some fireworks, maybe, who knows, an ice cream cone or a popsicle out there, too, to stay cool. Uh, smash the like and please subscribe to the channel if you have not already. With that, we'll be back next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.